0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Solo Powered Podcast with me, Arianna Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo business venture, solo pursuits of passion, single by choice, solo journey to parenthood, or solo adventures. Whatever it is that you do on your own, waiting for no one. This is about not living a lonely life. It's about living the most full life on your terms. Before we kick into the next episode with my brilliant guest, I just wanted to uh, jump on and thank everybody who has downloaded, listened, commented and shared so far on the podcast. I've been blown away by the response to the podcast. It's been listened to so far in five continents across the world and the comments and feedback I've had from so many of you have been really encouraging. I've had lots of you share with me your own personal solo journeys, whether that be solo traveling, your solo business, being single by choice, or indeed having a baby on your own. So please keep those stories coming in. It's always so encouraging to hear how the podcast has potentially sparked some inspiration, or uh, it's something that you can relate to in terms of your own life Um, obviously as a life coach and a a career coach and a teacher of coaching as well um, I love to be able to work with people to help them achieve their goals if anyone is listening to the podcast and thinking that they too would like to do something on their own terms something that they would like to uh, achieve maybe a solo pursuit reach out to me on arianadunn.com is my website or you can contact me on linkedin at arianadunn Or via Instagram, ask underscore Ariana Dunn as well. We can have a free 20 minute consultation, a discovery call to chat about how coaching might be able to help you. Also, if you're really interested in personal development from having listened to this podcast, I am teaching another certificate in coaching with Mindstream uh, on May 13th and 14th. So if you're interested, mindstream.ie is the website if you would like to uh, potentially explore personal development and coaching on your own, own terms as well. But that's enough from me. I'm really excited about this cracker of an next episode. I hope you enjoy it. And once again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of the Solo Powered Podcast with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo pursuits of passion, single by choice, solo journey to parenthood, or anything that you want to do to live a very full life. Remember, this is not about living a lonely life. It's about living the most full life on your terms. Personally, I'm super excited about this episode and this particular topic. Um, It's something that I have been thinking about for quite some time, which is this Um, solo journey to parenthood. Um, I'm turning 41 this year and my biological clock has been ticking rather loudly over the last few years and um, particularly obviously since we had COVID when you know dating was not really much of an option. Uh, I've been single for probably about 7 or 8 years now um and I've had a few little mini relationships and flings in between but nothing that has stuck shall we say um I think I've gone on my own little self-analysis journey over the over the last while and and realized that actually probably me being single is is more of a choice than a circumstance. Um, I've always valued my independence and my freedom very highly on my list of, of values throughout my life. And I think looking back and reflecting um, on relationships that I've had, I think probably I've pushed away some men because of my value around freedom and independence. Um, so I find myself now at 40. Um, I have always been extremely maternal. I have 15 nieces and nephews and several God's children and I'm at that point in my life now where I um am very close to making a decision if not have already made the decision and in fact just this morning I did book myself into the fertility clinic for my consultation um, in relation to exploring my options and seeing where my body is. Um, I've talked before about doing this MMA journey that I'm on and part of me choosing to, to do this MMA training this 20 week training was to actually get my body ready, fighting fit but also to be physically ready for potential um, pregnant for a potential pregnancy. Um, I also wanted to experience that sleep deprivation and and something that was really really challenging um, ahead of what I imagine would be uh, one of the most challenging things that I would uh, embark upon which was to have a baby on my own. Um there have been massive increases in women um exploring this journey of late. Um there are not a huge amount of recent stats, but just looking at some stats from the UK, um from in 2006, there were nine hundred babies born with, with donor sperm, which tripled to almost three thousand um in twenty nineteen. And I imagine those numbers are even greater now, as I say, since since the pandemic and since COVID. Um there have been many women, celebrity women who have chosen to go down this path over the last few years, including the likes of Natalie Imbruglia, Charlize Theron, Mindy Kaling, Sandra Bullock, and most recently in the news was Rebel Wilson having um, a baby on her own. Um, there is lots of different options that people can explore, whether that be donor sperm or maybe having a baby with a mutual friend and sharing that uh, that journey. Um, but I am so excited to welcome my my next guest. Um, uh, When I started exploring this uh, and talking about it over the last few years, um, there have been many friends um, who mentioned this particular lady's name, Clodagh O'Hagan. Clodagh and I have moved around in the same sort of Uh, work circles for several years Cloda works uh, in PR for many years for Edelman as well as for her own agency she also works for Vodafone and now works for HubSpot and so with my media career we've had many mutual friends who anytime I mentioned having a baby on my own would say you know who you need to talk to (laughs) you need to get in touch with this wonderful, amazing person called Cloda O'Hagan, who at 43 made the decision or probably made the decision before that, which we'll, we'll discover now, um, to have a baby on her own. And three years ago, she welcomed the most beautiful blue-eyed, blonde-haired <laughs> baby boy, Frank, into the world. And I'm so excited to have her in studio to pick her brains and hear all about how she made that decision, her fertility journey and any tips and advice she has for you all listening but most importantly for me <laughs> as I embark on this journey too. So Claudio you're so welcome thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Oh my goodness thank you so much that's the nicest introduction I've ever gotten if I didn't know me I'd want to know me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I'm so happy to finally finally meet you as I say. Um, so look I've obviously just given a, an intro to you but, but please in your own words tell us a little bit about yourself and your life maybe leading up to making this wonderful decision.
1: Okay um, I loved hearing that intro especially because there's like different moments in your own life that just kind of remind me and resonate kind of back to that time and I suppose the the initial turning point of making um, the decision to go it alone was pretty much almost five years ago so I suppose talking about the the few years leading up to that um, I think I had I too have been I had been single, kind of um, probably quite single for maybe a period of of, of six years, with a, with a relationship in, in kind of towards the end of that, and through that time, I think I was very much. Um, well like well what if I don't meet the right person and I suppose even to go further back um I grew up in a single parent family um and that my mom was my mom and dad were separated when I was six months old so I didn't really kind of growing up have the environment of when <clears throat> you see you know the the type of relationship that it should be and you know the happy mommy and da- mommy and daddy but in my mind what I did what I did know what there's lots that I didn't know but what I did know is what I didn't want you know and I didn't want something to break and I want always knew I suppose the most inert thing within me was that I wanted stability for my family whatever Mm -hmm. that would be we moved around a lot I went to lots of schools so that was probably like a big kind of driving passion so I think there was a lot of my life which has been built around what I didn't want and maybe not knowing really what I did want Mm -hmm. um and so in that kind of period of the six years, I started to think about what if I didn't meet the one and ruminating on like the, the consideration of would I go it alone? Would I have a baby on my own? And and it seemed like a much bigger deal then. And, you know, thinking about the whole process, even just coming in today and, you know, about when I when I shared my story, it was probably really about my own stereotypes and my own kind of considerations and negative thoughts and worries about the whole process was you know in those years I was the one who was kind of negative about it what would people think and mm-hmm. um, could I do it on my own would I be able to afford to do it on my own what would our life be I w- don't want to bring a life into the world and first not to have a lovely life with mm-hmm. that and kind of to sacrifice that or is it because you know I'm not pretty enough I'm not good enough I am not able so all of those things were kind of going on and um, when I initially started to thinking about it. And then I was going out someone for maybe a year and a half. And when I look back, I was ready to leave after six months. <laughs> um but he was very handsome and he was part of the rebrand. I was no longer single Clodagh for like X number of years. So we leaned in and I stayed in that for another twelve months. And if I'm really honest, like I didn't like him very much. I don't think he liked me very much, <laughs> you know. And, but I would have had a baby with him, yeah. you know, because it was someone there, you know, we were in a relationship and it kind of would have been done. And I think when it finished and I look back, I was like, that would have been awful, yeah. you know, awful in terms of one, I was. I was willing to sacrifice so much in terms of what I inherently knew to have a baby. And then also the pragmatic, and I'm such a pragmatic person of like, you would be connected to that negativity. And it was negativity between us um, forever with the baby and, you know, and with the child. And is that what I want for my life? Yeah. That And never mind the child. It's definitely not what I want for my life. So when that finished and um, I was kind of coming to the stage I had been, i For a number of years, I always, um, I owned an apartment outside of the city, but I had rented big houses and I sublet and it was lovely, you know, glorious houses that you could never afford. And so I'd made the decision after that, okay, if I'm going to be serious about this and thinking about it, I need to set myself up for it so that if there's just two of us in a house, I'm able to afford it. There's space for us, you know, and that was my toe in the water of like, if this is going to happen, and this is what I need to do so that's what I did I moved out of that house I bought um a small house kind of in Dublin 12 and um, it was very affordable on my own and then I was okay well well that bit's sorted so we'll give it a year or whatever to try and meet someone well, well, well and now it's it's a plain plain I'm ready for it now you know it's all sorted but then you know yourself that's an impossible task to meet someone when literally at the forefront of your mind is am I going to have a child with this person and it's not fair on the person that you're like even chatting to dating it's not fair on you because you're not even you're not giving anybody a chance because you're not giving any time to get to know the person you're not seeing the person you're just seeing what would the end result life and like you know you're not even showing your best self or your true self anymore because you don't even know who you are anymore at yep. that stage because it becomes this big, big thing. So that was kind of going on in the background. Safe to say, it wasn't a very successful dating <laughs> time. <laughs> I didn't fall madly in love, and you know, or any anything like that. And then I was um, I was away on holidays in Croatia with friends, and I had been to the doctor. And I was just getting whatever normal bloods done, and she's like, "Do you, she mentioned something?" But you're not trying, you're not trying to have a baby. I was like, "No, no, no, not now," um, but maybe in a year's time or a year and a half's time. And I, I suppose I was lucky that within my circle, I knew a couple of people who had had um, baby babies with their partners through a donor egg. So I kind of had like my backup plan. I was like, well, you know, if that doesn't work, there's only this and this is a perfectly pragmatic solution. So that was when I was like, not now, but maybe in a year's time. She's like, I'll do all the tests. And I was on holidays and a, a different doctor called, very glamorous name, Vogue, like Vogue Williams, <laughs> um, rang me who I who had never met and was just going through the results over the phone saying everything was fine. And she said, but your phosphorus levels are low, but that's fine because you're not you're not trying for a baby. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, 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 not now, but maybe in a year, year's time, rah, 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 here's my story. And she was very direct, matter of fact, without meeting me. And I was um, 42 at the time. And she was like, no he's like if you want to have a baby you know at your age of life you really need to start considering it now um and the more you know the more you know and I was glad I kind of didn't know a whole lot back then and she just was saying in terms of the likelihood of of getting pregnant now you know it usually takes kind of a year a year and a half should it happen and she goes so based on that you would be you know whatever age it was at 43 Mm -hmm. when you have a baby she goes but if you wait that year and a year and a half how do you feel about being 45 46 having your first child even if it did happen and that was the mic drop moment for me I was like absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) I was like that's it now so that's the decision made so we I was on the beach, there was a friend who was there, I had a little emotional moment, a little tear, then I went back and told everyone who was on the holiday that I was going to go for it and I suppose, I probably didn't realise how much I half spoke about it before so mm. it wasn't a new topic of conversation to anyone, Um They were probably going okay great she's she's just finally going to get on with it so then we got bananas because that's that's (laughs) what you you do on holidays and it was that moment um, I suppose I think it was around August that year and I was like okay this is it now I'm going home and I'm going to
0: kind of go for it. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. I was reading just obviously in preparation for today as well and reading some articles and people say you know the hardest thing about having a baby on your own is not the fertility journey the fear the raising the child or anything it's the decision mm. it's actually making the decision mm. that you that you are going to do it and in terms of I suppose you, you talk to your friends what about your family and you know how, how if they say it obviously it takes a village I mean did you feel like you had maybe the support did you were you able to talk to people about that? So I
1: 100% had the emotional support, you know, in terms of there's, I'm very lucky that there's nobody in my life from friends, family or a work environment. And I was lucky that I worked within a very small team. And um, within Vodafone, we were very close and they were very with me every step of the way. So anybody in my circle was very open and kind of supportive about it. Um I do have a small family. Mm. We don't have, you know, we're kind of dispersed. My mom is in Donegal, as is a sister and another one here. So, again, in the pragmatic brain was like, I was really cognizant of the fact that I am on my own. Mm. You know, there's no, there's no sugar coating that. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the things that's like. If, if you have a, a a village around you and I'm like get that in order or whatever in advance but you do have to brace yourself from you're on your own and the you know the trips to the doctors the fragility journey all the rest of it it's it's not easy there's like three or four moments where I had out and out you know falling down crying moments you know when you're just kind of sucker punched because you're not kind of ready for it yeah. and one when, when simple was and like with no malice on on the doctor's side. I was going through the preliminary test by one and it was um, an internal scanner x-ray just to make sure there was no blockages. And I was kind of hyped up because all they kept saying is make sure to take your painkillers, your antibiotics. This is going to be really sore. This is going to be really sore. I was like, oh my God, what is this? And they um, put a dye inside your tube so they can see it. So I was on edge waiting for the pain and I was standing in the room and the doctor there was going, you know, Baba but but don't worry, you can start, you you can start trying again straight away soon. Oh. And I teared up because I was so much. I was like, I'm not trying. I'm on my own. But I couldn't get the words out. So he was trying to soothe me, right? And was kind of repeatedly was saying, you know, you can just try again sooner. You whatever. So he left the room probably going is she okay and there was a nurse in the room she's like are you all right I was like I'm absolutely fine but can you stop telling I'm trying again I'm having a baby on my own there is no other person and she was like oh right okay and it's little things like that you know and I suppose they again informed me like I don't want to be caught off guard and I was like here is my story. Yeah, deal with it. Yeah, you know that's all the
0: detail. It's so interesting. I suppose it is just a change of attitude, and, and and that's something that you know. I'm interested to hear about as well. But I know when I a few years ago made a few phone calls, there was a particular uh, receptionist who answered, and I was asking about making an appointment, and she said immediately, just said, "Okay, yeah, you and your partner can come in." And I just was like, "Wow, you know, that's really not good because yeah. <laughs> because not not everybody just have a partner, yeah. and you know, we I, I think there is a sensitivity change needs to happen around that I think
1: and I think it's probably starting but even like in the last three or four years it has dramatically changed and I suppose you know there's a part of me that was a little bit of but it's understandable you know and it's kind of like it is that's the case for the majority of people so (laughs) even when I had Frank I I describe it as I had a solo mom dressed she was absolutely (laughs) mental at the time someone couldn't look at me before I was like, I him on my own. Had him on my own. That's
0: it, just me. Okay
1: <laughs> You know? Because like, okay, now I can see now I'm waiting for their reaction and yeah. I'm in control of yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and now I'm i I'm a bit more relaxed about it. But you know, it is understandable yes. and it's not I'm definitely not like, you know, you don't need a man. You can absolutely do it on your own. You yeah. know, it's not, it's not the it's not the root I yeah. dreamed of no. gr- growing up you know yeah. but isn't it amazing that there's opportunities it's so amazing and then when I'm very privileged that I could afford to do it yes. and I could afford to have And that, that isn't you know affordable to absolutely. all absolutely know?
0: and it's just interesting just what you, you know talking about the fact, like I have a big family I'm one of mm. eight kids and, but we, are all, we all are dispersed all over the world so I've got sisters in Paris and LA and Australia and Cyprus and California we're all over the place but I have spoken to them all I've spoken to my mother I've, I've spoken to all of my friends they all know that this is something that I am exploring they're all you know hugely supportive of it as well Um, and my sister was I remember my sister saying you know I'll come up I can be your birthing partner and I can help you and I was and I remember thinking all of that is great um, but No one is going to be there at four o'clock in the morning when that child is screaming, crying. I mean, you are going to be on Mm. your own. And as much as everybody says that they can help and things like that, Mm. you know, you can't really enter into something like this thinking that way. Because you have to be, you know, confident that you are actually going to be able to be in control of this on your own. No matter what, because, you know, people can come and go or whatever. And you can't really rely on that necessarily. You have to just be able to rely on yourself. Exactly. And people have their own lives and
1: the best will in the world. And. And, and it's hard to ask for help, you know, because I suppose asking for help and then fitting into other people's schedules highlights what you don't have. You know, it's, and I even say it like now as a solo parent, I'm brilliant at, you know, scheduling and making appointments like, you know, activities for us. But you you get the blocking like because some days like Saturdays or Sundays are family time and people are with their families yeah. you know so they're not as open to things so you you have to be resilient in so many ways yeah. um and I'm not saying it's all easy like in that like I say that as in I have it all down it's definitely a journey blah 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 but like I have frank um in the in in the midst of the pandemic which you know definitely added its own layer of you know, challenges in terms of support. Now, on the other side of it, there was lots of people around to go for walks who all would have been living their best lives during the summer, mm. which probably would have been harder looking at what, you know, everyone would go on, but like hindsight's a great thing and everything and the one thing I suppose I w- that would have really helped um was if you for this first month to have someone there like to mind you. Mm. It's like you can do the baby thing, but um, to mind you, to feed you, and I know that first time is is difficult for everyone. But there is people coming in with shopping or putting the food in front of you and stuff. And you know, if it wasn't a pandemic, my mom would have been down, Mm. or there would have been this or whatever. But I'm like, I think that would be my biggest thing: is in you know, have someone there to mind you for the first month, so you can get your head around your baby and enjoy your baby as much as possible through the deprivation and everything like that but at the same time i don't think there's any parent um who doesn't or any mother who doesn't look back and <laughs> <laughs> see what could have been and what they could tweak in terms of those like first two three months you know to make life differently because I think for everybody who has a baby it's a
0: white knuckle ride right? yes. <laughs> that you figure out um, day by day as you go yeah it's 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 interesting I, I obviously have a lot of friends who've had babies in the last few years and they say to me I mean, no one tells you the way it's going to be like, and I'm like, really? Because I think everybody tells. <laughs> I think everybody. I'm pretty much prepared for it to yeah. be like absolute hell yeah. for the first like two, yeah. two, three months, and then apparently it gets better, you yeah. know. And that yeah. that does seem, but you know, the, the surprise element for a lot of people is still surprising to me. Um, so okay, so we're we're you know we're obviously we're kind of jumping all over all over the place, but just a, a question: had you did you freeze your eggs at, at any point prior to 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 no. that? No. Yeah. No, I didn't and I think I
1: had thought about doing it like 10 years ago yeah. from now. But it was all very new and I think the bits that I looked into on it was there had been no um successful pregnancies in Ireland from frozen eggs mm. at that
0: stage. Mm. And um you know, I believe the first successful baby born from a frozen egg was in 2015 in this country, yeah. so it's really, really quite, yeah. re- quite recent, you know. And yeah. like, again, when you know now, you're like, if if you really
1: and obviously, there's lots of debates and where you stand on it, but you know, if you're really trying to safeguard your fertility, like a frozen embryo is a much stronger yes. chance of success later down the line. So, I you no, know, I had nothing frozen when I went into the clinic and initially went to see a doctor who would be like, "Yeah, twenty five percent chance." And then I went to an actual clinic and they're like, "No, they're like, um, you know, three to five percent chance." Wow! And that was before Christmas, and that, of, that was
0: of basically a successful pregnancy from from donor sperm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. and so it was before Christmas, and I had been a little bit buoyant at that stage from, um, the first doctor's kind of response to me because initially I'd be like okay well it's I can just if my age or eggs or whatever are a bag of bits I can (laughs) (laughs) I can go straight to a donor egg and then I was buoyed and I was like absolutely picture me and my little girl in matching cost dresses rocking around crumbling at the time (laughs) and then it was very pragmatic you know three percent and to say that Christmas was devastating. You know, Christmas is so difficult. I I've always felt especially getting older, Christmas difficult. Mm. Um engagements, families, couples, the whole thing. Nothing makes you feel more single than being out for like your pre-Christmas big friend <laughs> group of people and someone else's big rock and all the rest of it. So that was a really tough Christmas for me and um I did a whole lot of crying at home. And then um I kind of just came back and I made my own plan in my head, um, when I went back to the clinic that this is what I want to trial. But the, I suppose the one thing that it did give me is when you're told like even though I had made the decision, I was still a bit terrified, yes. you know, um, about would I be able for would I be able to afford all of the things. But then when it was in front of me that it actually might not happen. Yes. I was like, Oh, we're, we're, we're all in we're a thousand percent in now yeah. you know and then that kind of kicked it off from there
0: yeah I feel like I feel the same way I feel sometimes if if the decision is taken out of my hands then I you know like one of the things that I always have talked about is that you know I have always well, well not I wouldn't say always but I've I've always wanted to be a mom, right? Mm. So, so I've, I would love to have that experience of having a child, mm. being a mother, and it's not just for the baby because mm. you know that's the hard part. Mm. Um, but it's to it's the it's the toddler, it's the child going to school, mm. it's the teenager, it's the relationship that I have with my mom, mm. it's the whole shebang that I would like to have that experience of yeah. motherhood. Um, the other thing is, would I like to have a child on my own? The answer to that will probably always be no, right? Mm. But w- there's going to have to come a point where mm. one of those things cancels each out yeah so you know I'm getting to that point now of yeah. kind of you know m- you know going down this this route and and like you I moved around a lot when I was younger mm. as well um and went to six different primary schools, two different secondary schools. Yeah. (laughs) All you want to live in one area, have the same group of friends for your child. (laughs) Yeah. They just
1: want to be confident, secure, have a nice group of pals and the rest decide yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I bought my apartment five years ago. I started working for myself as well. And, you know, I think a lot of those things that I was doing were probably preparing me for Mm. this, you know, sort of setting myself up and, you know, working for myself so that I have that flexibility and, um, and really kind of like thinking about ways in which I can make it work. And as you say, you know, checking our privilege. I know it's, you know, this is, a, I am very fortunate that I have mm. been able to do that, as as you have said as well. Um, so, you know, I think I think when you are in that position, though, mm. it does help to make these decisions um, a, 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 a bit easier as well. Um, mm. So in terms of your fertility journey, then, like, did you, like, did it, did, but there's a couple of different fertility um, companies here in mm. Ireland. I mean. In in terms of choosing where to go down, was it just a case of the people that you had already been 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 talking to? And
1: um,
0: I'm not really sure how
1: it went about it because the initial doctor I spoke to, I thought he could do it, and then you know, and fertility's um, clinics weren't as much big business, yeah, you know, four or five years ago as they are now.
0: Yeah,
1: They're, like you know, it's, it's it's up there with menopause, it's <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> you know, um, but. The clinic I went to, I I have to say, I actually wasn't that mad about it when I was there. um, But I think i would kind of gone around the block, a kind of a slow start way to it. And I was like, I'm in the system. Mm. Just get on with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, you know, and again, with lots of friends in relationships and all their fertility journeys, anybody who I speak to now, I'm like, go straight to Spain. Right. go straight to Spain they're so far advanced it's way more reasonable like I went to bed at had um, folically assisted IUI and I'm it's so lucky and the longer it goes on I'm so lucky that it it worked the first for the first insemination Wow there was a couple of trial ones going up to it, but knowing if I knew now what I knew, whatever, as they say, I would absolutely um, probably go to Spain. Right. I would go straight to IVF, especially if there's any part of you. Now, I'm happy that I'm one and done. Um, but if there's any part of you that considers you might want a sibling, you know, just go straight to IVF. Yeah.
0: I mean, the one thing I would say as well for anyone listening, I mean, we touched on egg freezing. I also haven't frozen my eggs, but I do have many friends who, who have Gone down that mm. route, and I know you uh, met a mutual friend of mine, Julia. Her mm. uh, Julia and her wife Caroline had a baby girl two years ago now, but Julia actually froze her eggs probably about six, seven years ago mm. when kind of thinking about it, and um, didn't need to use them. And again, had her baby on the first go. Wow! Um, yeah. So you're, I think, like the third or fourth person that I've met who has had that. You know, mm. even though the the percentage rates are so small, yeah. um. So I'm hoping that little that's a bit of a look. Yeah. Um, I. I do appreciate as well that IVF and that big business. I I work in media and advertising and they're still some clients of mine you know so mm. I, I've, I've been around that um, quite a bit I personally am thinking I would like to maybe just try IUI for the mm. first go um, for the first few um, now the thing is I have VHI as yeah. well and so I think that's another thing for anyone listening to this you know from an advice perspective I would have loved if I had frozen my eggs in my mm. early 30s mm. I think that's something that you know a, a lot of women maybe mm. could, could, could consider doing mm. obviously there has been advancements in, the, in that thing now as well it's much too late for me to do that yeah like at at 38 39 40 yeah um but also if you are thinking about it and you're early on in that journey you know signing up to a you know a good health Mm. insurance because um i get a lot of discounts Mm. with with the vhi Mm. which makes it a little bit more manageable as well
1: the one thing i will say that because i thought when i went in i was like oh iui is so much cheaper what difference does it make you know give it a go a couple of times but while the treatment on paper looks cheaper the actual cost of the sperm is not cheap yeah. so you know even it still cost me five or six grand mm. because of the, the the twice that I went through the process but um we didn't do the insemination and like two straws as they're called yeah of top shelf
0: yeah beverages.
1: <laughs> um, but like that cost three grand yeah you know so while wow, that seems cheap on one side. You can't do that five times when you don't have a partner, yeah. you know, to just replenish the supply. <laughs> for want of a better word, so, so there's lots of things to um, kind of do the maths
0: on. I think sure, more so than sure. anything Sure, sure. I mean, financially, th- there's so many different financial yeah. um, considerations yeah. to make. You know, uh, w- when when exploring this, so your straws then yeah my straws my how straws, should chap, you have straws <laughs> tell us about that process in terms of choosing your because I've been on to some of the sperm donor banks and had a little kind of looky look look, see. very overwhelming <laughs> very overwhelming so
1: again I'm I'm like I'm the type of person who I kind of, like, look at something, and I'm like, oh, God, it's going to be a big deal, and I just need to climatize. and then once I climatized, I'm like, breezy, breezy, breezy. So, when I first went down to one of the sites, I was like, oh, God, I can't do this, this is just a bit grim. So... And like everything, I'm like, okay, how can I have a bit of fun with this, make this kind of an enjoyable process for me? So I invited a few friends over to my house and I just invited them over for pizza and drinks. I didn't say anything. And when they got there, I had had bunting designed and made up that had sperm
0: palooza (laughs) written on them. And had them kind of hanging
1: around my living room when they got in. And that just kind of, you know, took the edge off it all for me, you know. And we sat around and we went through, you know, the profiles and debated it and this, that and the other. And that was brilliant. And I didn't use any of those profiles, but it kind of just got me through the system and all of how it worked. But how I decided in the end was obviously the genetics thing, you know, um, gives you a, a certain pool to, to select within. Oh, it's very basic. I went for dark hair,
0: mm.
1: blue eyes to you know, hope that it was a similar aesthetic. You know, it doesn't look like the image of somebody else walking down the street um, at all. And then, but of of the the donor's um, family history, both sides of his family history had dark hair and blue eyes. So okay. that was the prim- primary piece. And it looked at the medical history. There was no significant illnesses within the families. And, you know, there's a little kind of handwritten note mm. that accompanies what they just saying, like a Right. And I was like, that's it. Make the decision.
0: And I know uh, from some friends of mine who've had babies, again, um, through artificial insemination over the years, there was an option of choosing whether you would have anonymous or non-anonymous. But I think the laws have changed in yes. recent years so that it's all non-anonymous, right? Yeah. Or no, no, it's, sorry, it's, Yes, it's all non-anonymous.
1: At, at the time, I selected... Not anonymous anyway, okay. And okay. At the at the the idea being that at eighteen years of age they are open to um you, the child contacted them if they so wish yes. it was a choice it isn't a, isn't a choice anymore in Ireland, so all donors have to be non-anonymous, yes,
0: yeah, and how do you feel about that like it is
1: what it is, you know what I mean like i think if if I'm really honest there's there's elements of it, you know I I'm driven. I wanted my baby. I wanted um I wanted a family. I think absolutely psychologically better for him to have the choice. Really? What I would hope is that in the next X number of years, I'm going to meet someone. We're going to create our own family. I'm I'm very open in terms of how he was conceived. He doesn't have a daddy. I read the book and I have since I was six months old. Mm. So, you know, I'm very open about it. But i would hope that by in the next few years we'll meet someone we'll have our own um different type of family Mm. there's lots of different types of families out there and it's his decision Mm. and once he is a happy content confident human it's up to him to decide what he wants to do that's all i'm really concerned about but you know i at the week just um recently we met um we had brunch with friends of ours and um uh uh, a male couple and they um, were bringing home their surrogate little boy. And it was amazing for me to be able to be in the car and say, We're going to meet um, Cosmo and um, his two daddies because all families are different. They have two daddies, mm. they don't have a mommy. We have a mommy, we don't have a daddy. And I think that's more where my attention and focus will be around not all families are different. Yeah. And, you know, you can see the increase in diverse families. Yeah. Um, over the years and i suppose that would be my focus to ensure that he grows up in that kind of environment and that's it really yeah.
0: I mean, I think the primary schools now are so diverse mm. as well in terms of the multi-denominations, multi-nationalities, mm. um, the languages, mm. all of the different types of religions, and the different types of families that exist. Yeah. I think it's so different to when we were younger. Yeah. Um, that I think you know it's 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 exciting to see that you know that there there is there are these changes being made out in society, and these things are becoming a lot more um, normal. And I think anyone that I've spoken to about it um, in recent years even people who i'm like you know just barely acquainted to will be like oh yeah that's great sure why not absolutely go for it it's happy you know i know i know such and such and such mm. and such and such and such. so it is actually becoming um so much more part of it so obviously you kind of touched on some of your your pregnancy journey i think it's interesting that you obviously had him in covid when so many women even when they are in we're in couples we're, were having to kind of do their appointments on their own mm. and kind of that have was all great of that. To me yeah. <laughs> i will
1: say you know that again that like that again. Was a bonus, like you know, your 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 kind of steely determination. But it was great yeah. not to have lots of couples around. And I think you know, before we went into lockdown, I went to an antenatal class, and it was one of the moments when I was sitting in my car, absolutely bawling my eyes out because we were talking about um, it was it was COVID was rearing its head. It was literally before the lockdown, and about who was allowed to go into the room with mm-hmm. you. And I at the time was thinking about having my sister and a doula and I was just exploring that and she really challenged me on like well why would I want a second person in the room who would that be and it was in a public forum in a circle of women oh. and I was like it was so wrong and I kind of burst into tears within the room and with then she's like oh sorry 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 you know and then afterwards so that was really the only during the pregnancy the only kind of experience that I had um came up against kind of the the sucker punching of of being a solo parent so the appointments were absolutely fine Mm -hmm. on Iraq too and um in the hospital um well first of all for the actual um labor I was absolutely thrilled when I had to have a plan section okay (laughs) because I will say that From a personal perspective, it was great to have my sister there, but I would have found it extremely difficult and I would have had a huge anxiety about that kind of vulnerability in front of somebody else. And I think that that kind of vulnerability would be for with the partner who was with it. So when it came about that um, Frank was breached, I was delighted and okay. um, that the decision was taken out of my hands that I didn't have to consciously make it because I probably would have felt guilty like to, to you know electively um choose it without there being a reason for it but then I found out the week before it was obviously written in the stars because did you know that there and I named Frank Frank William after my uncle and my granddad and there is a breech position called the Frank breech position. Wow. When you were folded up like that, and he was in that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow! So
0: I was like, okay, tick. Wow. it was meant to be. Um, look, it's 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 a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast. But I've you know I've had and heard so many poor experiences of women in Ireland in the maternity mm. uh, system, who whether they've been solo or not, have had those moments of. Being an absolute tears for one reason or another from mm. for their treatment, and it's mm. it's I think it's something that needs a, a massive uh, look at mm. in terms of how women and new mothers particularly mm. um, are, are are treated in, in 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 the system in Ireland um, because it it's not always very pleasant. No, um, and I will say though in the in the ward it was
1: great though you yeah. know there was no there was nobody around and that was brilliant for me in terms of um, it was a semi private room so there was other people there, but. Without any visitors, you could just get your head around it all. So I just was like, Brrr, what do I do now? Burr, can you put them back on? Burr, can you take them out for a second? And you really, they were lovely yeah. and they were so, they were all so thrilled for me, you know, that way. Yeah. um And by the time I left, like, I was like, oh, can yeah. you can you come with me? But it was lovely. I think the quiet time, never mind because of a partner not partner, I was like, she absolutely wrecked. How to you be dealing with like <laughs> visitors? Full stop. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I think it was a benefit in
0: general. Yeah, yeah. The I suppose just I'm going to ask you now when with that moment that you that you had. Frank in your arms For the first time But I'm actually Interested to know How you felt When you found out You were pregnant And that it had worked Like how was that In terms of the Making the decision Going through the motions But then it actually Being a reality Oh it was that the best like thing In the world Yeah
1: Yeah it was And I suppose When, you, when you've when you gone Through treatment You're literally Day by day yeah. And every little Feeling You know Physicality that you feel From it you're googling it And you have an app And it's telling you Day by day And it's like Could be pregnant Or you could be About to get your period and it was the absolute best feeling in the world and I um, I waited two days. I waited. They ask you to wait for sixteen days before you do a test, I assumed to let nature take its course. Mm. So I was like, I really might be and my friends, family, you know, offered did they want me to come over to do it? I mean I was like, No, this is our this is our journey and I suppose my thought was like if it was negative I was just gonna have a cry and get under the duvet for the day. And I woke up at half two in the morning, I was like that's too early <laughs> that's just still too early I made myself go back to sleep oh my god I'm, your
0: patience is a virtue I don't think I
1: can be so patient and I'm not patient in general like and I was never tempted to do um a test I think I was just like but it might it could I th- it really might and so I when I did the test at half four in the morning I wasn't surprised because I really felt it might have worked and I had a gorgeous little Emotional moment, and I sent the picture off and to like the million people who are waiting, and then we went back to bed, and it was just I was like, "This is it now," and I was like, "It's like this is it. This is amazing." But the whole thing is like the relief of the thing I've been waiting for for longer than I even realized how much I needed to be a mom. It was like in motion, and we could just start living the rest Mm. of our life, you know, Mm. and like. The biggest thing, it's like, and I, it's a weird thing in that, like, I almost felt like I needed to apologize for myself before. Sometimes I would feel like it would be easier if I was divorced at this age, you know, because you would have, you would have been married. It didn't work out, but you're divorced and you're moving on and you're like, no, never married, never whatever. But it's like, it's the only thing that matters in terms of the ultimate grounding, mm-hmm. um, and and it was just different, and I loved being pregnant. Like a couple of, like iron dipping, and you know, scary moments. I wouldn't say it was dreamy, but like I loved the belly, mm. I loved the growing. I just, I loved it all. I have to say, it's brilliant.
0: And then the moment that he was put into your arms, how was that?
1: Oh, I was amazing. Well, after after I nearly fainted from the epidural, and they brought me back up, but it was just he was the he was just the most perfect little baby, and my sister was there and was still laughing because we, she got to come into the recovery room with me and he latched on and it was the most glorious moment wow. and then you know the nurse left and I said to my sister give me those snacks in your bag now <laughs>
0: I am not waiting
1: until 7 o'clock tonight so we had a lovely hour of, of amazingness and lolling of the contraband I was like give me this
0: time. I think you know to be honest like one of the one of the biggest reasons why I want to have a baby is to have that tea and toast because I've heard so much about that bloody tea and toast that it's supposed to be the best yeah. thing you've ever eaten in your whole life Yeah, I'm a big foodie so I'm like okay you got to experience that I'm known for my hunger
1: but <laughs> he was just the most perfect little squish wrapped up. And I think I was definitely, and I I wasn't proficient around babies. I wasn't the person who was like, oh yeah, throw them on. Mm-hmm. Like there was a, a slight awe and terror of looking at them and it was like I think they were really kind like in the first three days and I think they're like you need to learn to do this stuff on your own now come yeah. on you're, you're out the
0: door you're out the door soon but yeah no absolutely glorious wow it's interesting Look, I am the I am the sort of throw it over the mm. shoulder because I've had so much experience and even I you know I have quite a few friends who had had babies in the last few years who will call me up and ask me for advice mm. even though I don't yeah. have any oh kids. my god yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so like I, I you know I think that that's something that I am kind of confident about, I would mm. say. But what were you not prepared for? So,
1: um, I think if that's a difficult one, difficult one to answer for, because I had almost prepped myself for like the worst case scenario okay. in that like, you're on your own, it's going to be tough. There was no kind of rose tinted glasses you know from that perspective but so it wasn't necessarily unexpected but it was that those first few weeks of not having a constant in the house um in terms of kind of keeping yourself going and you know he my supply didn't come in and um so I was half boob feeding half bottle feeding so it was an hour and a half for a feed an hour and a half until until the next one um so that can just be a, a little bit challenging yeah. you know in terms of kind of the the fog of getting through and if uh, you know in uh, maybe after 3 4 weeks of like if people call out I'm like i'm just going to the shops <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like few bits. Just gonna go, just a few bits. Hold my baby. I just need to walk on my own. You know, you yeah. know, kind of um, from that perspective. And again, it's hard, like, because you have to remember it was life and lockdowns, yes. and there was lots about the first two years that were kind of challenging and and you know probably didn't need to be as hard as they were. But like, I think it was hard to identify what was just the normal heart and what was maybe amplified and could have been um, emptied. Because even speaking to people, it was like, well, it's COVID. Well, you've just had a baby, you
0: know, Mm -hmm. and I think... They w- that would have had I'd imagine sorry to but that would have had I'd imagine like pluses and negatives I mean for me a big thing that I'm kind of concerned about is the effect on my social life and yeah. you know not being able to go out whereas you kind of didn't have the choice of yeah. going out anyway so I like, I like that sort of thing with that FOMO maybe was taken away a little bit you know yeah. but then obviously there's the isolation that you would have
1: there's experienced the, as yeah, well the isolation and I suppose I am um, I suppose I re- recently self-diagnosed from actually um seeing myself over the last couple of years in that um I probably have had PMDD, um premenstrual dysphoric depression. Gosh. And so that I always kind of had like really dipped before my period. And I remember years ago oh, to th- years ago to a therapist going, blah 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 and She's like, do you have a bath? I was like, you, see you, you get in the bath <laughs> <laughs> But actually after i suppose your hormones are so out of whack yeah. and like you are a bit mental yeah. for a couple of years and i really that i think it was a tipping point in whatever that premenstrual thing was just so much greater and it was actually quite difficult mm. but trying to identify what it was and to get treatment for it was very difficult mm. because it's written off as in like it's a pandemic you've just had a baby sure. things are really hard and i suppose that ongoing from that i probably had what i did have um a significant anxiety but it was like this the and a, these two trains of thought in that like one part of like this tunnel of life is actually really hard to manage like because you're doing on your own but you're justifying it because of course it is because you've had a baby you're on your own it is a pandemic but at the other side not letting me influence it still was glorious it mm-hmm. didn't you know we had a wonderful time. I loved him. It wasn't postnatal depression. Mm. And you're trying to balance those because you're like, well, kind of what did you expect? Because whatever all of it is. But then, and eventually when I went to the doctor, I was like, this isn't right. Mm. And then I um, got a, got some um, a prescription for it. And then I was like,
0: oh, that didn't need to be that hard. right? <laughs> you know, so um, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that is something that I'm actually really kind of afraid of in terms of just mental health, be that postnatal depression, postpartum, you know, um, there's no real kind of history of it in my family or anything like that. And I think some of my friends had it, but maybe a bit undiagnosed with yeah. it. Um, but I do know that you, your hormones everything is just all over the place yeah. and I would be a bit like you as well sort of you know once a month I'd be like the worst person in the world in my yeah. head and kind of like thinking everything is wrong and then the next day I get my period I'm like yeah. oh that's why I was feeling like yeah. that and you nearly forget every yeah, month which is so ab- ridiculous yeah,
1: absolutely <laughs> you do yeah. and it, I suppose because of everything going on that was really amplified yes. and like, you know it's kind of all evened out whatever again now but I think and that is the thing when you're on when you're on your own there isn't, I suppose, and again, physically on your own because of pandemics and lockdowns and things that people are able to maybe see there's only so much that can be communicated on the phone and support can be given. So it's again, it's being in tune that you are on your own, yeah. looking after yourself first and maybe just being cognizant or aware of it, because yeah. I even find in terms of, um, you know, medical care. I had to. I had a couple of conversations, and I had to go up and was like, "This is what it is. This is what I want." Yes, you know. And you are like, didn't need to be like that.
0: I have already said to friends and family, like. I, if I do this, I need you to check in on me, yeah. and I need you to Great. check in on me multiple times because I will probably be so determined to be like I can do this on yeah, my own, yeah, and everything's yeah, absolutely yeah. fine, and I would be yeah. worried about showing any sign of weakness that, yeah. that you know that that people would. Well done. So you know, I'm I am aware and self aware around that yeah. that I think, but you know, I think I think everybody should be aware of that with any new mother um, yeah. to check in with them, and you know, I'm very lucky. I have uh, my brother and his wife who live very nearby and they have two babies under two Aww. two boys um, who she had them all through COVID as well and they are the most angelic most amazing perfect children who mm. have never had anything wrong with them whether that mm. be reflux or you know they Strength. go down they slept through the night like yeah, all of these kinds of things and I'm like I'll have one of them <laughs> please get the Lucy Wolf
1: book and have your sleep training yeah. on backup because you can't afford not to get the sleep well you see
0: I'm fortunate as well I was the CEO of Mummy Pages for two years oh, and so met Lucy Wolf and had that whole experience of of, of of like reading and seeing and understanding a lot so i am a bit luckier in that way as well yeah. but yeah i think i think that that whole uh, you know m- mental health discussion around women post having a baby is something that i think we need to address more in mm. this country as well and um and i think it is such still a taboo um mm. around it but um I think if you are doing it on your own, that you, again, like you just need to put those things in place and Mm. and advocate for yourself or try to find someone who will advocate for you if you feel. The other thing that I'm kind of, you know, was always worried about as well is what happens if I die?
1: (laughs) Yeah, that goes to your head a (laughs) lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um,
0: Not, I mean, let let me clarify, not in birth or anything like that, but, you know, but just like having a child on your own that, you know, is solely, you like, you are solely responsible for Well, like,
1: <clears throat> yeah, like the I have, um, even this year, like I've been to the doctor and I'll be like, give me all the tests. And I, I developed tinnitus in the last eight months. And I'm like, send me for the MRI, send me for the things. Because if you, when you're in bed at night and like mm, Frank is small, he's still in a cot. And you have a really bad headache, you, the thoughts are there and it's not even being dramatic. And like, if something happened to me, how long would it take for someone to hear my baby? Never mind, the, mm-hmm. never mind the what will he do for his rest of his life, mm-hmm. but how long would it take for someone to get there? And there are real fears mm-hmm. and, you know, that that seep in and
0: you need to be kind of manage them so they so they don't take over. Mm-hmm. Um, I was traveling all of last year, and I have a mom who would first thing in the morning check the last time I was active on WhatsApp or, or Facebook just yeah. to see that I was alive. So I, I think that's a really good thing in terms of technology that people can kind of are, are, are able to sort of check in as well. And I think I have thought about who I would nominate. You know, obviously getting life insurance. Yeah. I think. I'm a a life coach and a career coach and I think for me the biggest lesson that I have around that is that any fear that you have you overcome that fear by putting plans Mm. in place to to stop that being a fear Mm. so for me it would be nominating two people to to take or you know a a person to take on that responsibility Mm. should I pass away but that they would be financially cared for etc etc that you're just getting ahead of the fear totally and that (laughs) as I'm not going to say like
1: very narcissistic but I'm like so I have in my in my mind I have a friend who will be the executor of the state mm. because you know the financials can always get whatever complicated and mm. um, my sister and her partner in terms of her it being a duty of care but I need I still haven't figured out what the source of but like I have this in my mind that I would want to designate each of my friends to you know be the carrier of some part of my life because, you know, your friends and your family are very different. So I would almost like, well, you're responsible for this part of the life to make sure (laughs) he knows me from this way and you're responsible for this. So, you know, that would be as as much important for me that he would still learn about my spirit, you know, in terms of,
0: yeah. Everything. Oh god. I know. Oh oh god. 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 It's very emotional. Much yes. Yeah. Much. <laughs> no, but it, I mean honestly, I've I've actually yeah. cried several times just thinking about having that conversation mm. with the people that yeah. I would nominate. You know, because it That's is what so, you text. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, look, I mean it's so funny how I started this podcast by saying I'm thinking about it and I'm already yeah. like done, you know, <laughs> I'm very far boop, along, boop, I think, boop. in terms of yeah. like thinking about it. Um so just I mean obviously I'm conscious of time but i wanted to know about your sort of your social life dating anything like that since you know since having frank and sort of being a mother how has that been affected but good positively negatively whatever so i suppose that there's a a few things in that like i've waited a
1: long time to have a baby i've been to a party or two you know so i'm not I, i i was at the stage where i'm not afraid to step away from you know the party anymore for yeah. want to a better word and I and you know there's always a small element of you when you're quite social in that going oh what will I be like and I actually didn't want to drink for yeah. the best part of a year I was thrilled I was like that is licensed to live your best <laughs> life afterwards but I am lucky in that um because I am a solo parent you have to organize your support so I'm very structured in if I want a big night out My my Frank goes to his auntie, Mm. his auntie's house. And if I'm out, I'm out. Mm. And because I'm not going to go down the route of like a hangover in the morning and all the rest of it. And she has a little girl and I take her overnight. So I have... The kind of the big nights sorted i have um one of his old ladies who used to work in crash. and um, i have her on well, she's on a retainer so she's on a retainer for babysitting hours during the month so for little opportunities it's important for me to leave the house so whether it's a case of i just want to go to the shops or i want to go out for a couple of hours on the lighter things i have that support structure in place if it's a weekend i bring my mom down so I don't go out all the time, but I, I for the most part, I get to go to 90 percent of what I want to go to. And I for me, when it's fun, it's worth going and it, it's uplifting. And, you know, Maslow's theory, sociability is right in there. Absolutely. So it's, it's really important to do that. And also, I'm in a job which has huge flexibility. So now I'm doing a tennis lesson on a Tuesday before work or, you know, I'm doing other things. So I, I take care of myself from that perspective and um, dating wise like I'm not I'm not close to it and I was dating someone briefly whatever before Christmas but you know it takes it takes a lot of attention and a lot of effort right and there's so many things that go into it I think when it comes to online dating you know you need to be able to g- give it time you know to put the time in in terms of the chat and the meeting and all the rest of it and in terms of the amount of time that I have or the expense of babysitting hours I'm like is it actually <laughs> worth it you know like no. what I did find from the dating bit of like you know you go out at the, and this is the practical side of it which sounds really silly but when you're dating someone first in Ireland it revolves around going out so you're going for meals you're going on you're going on the lash you're hungover. but like for my life if I'm hungover, I don't have someone to at home yeah. to help share the hangover with I don't have the resource to be able to go out for a big walk and exercise. So I ended up putting on weight, <laughs> being a bit miserable because of the hangovers. So it just in terms of, Where I am right now, I'm not close to it, but I'm not sweating for it (laughs) either. Sure, sure. But I am actually, I just bought us a caravan. Wow. Yeah, and I bought us a caravan and my intention is for us to go off for the month of July and kind of either go to Brittany or go to somewhere in Ireland and live our best life relaxed and, you know, who you might meet in person. Yeah. But, um there's just other things to do and to focus on like your house and your thing and buying caravans and
0: they just kind of end up taking priority to be honest. Yeah, I'm the same. I've sort of let go of that desire of of, of wanting to find a partner over the last few years and um, it's so freeing. Yeah. (laughs) It's so freeing to just not have that there and again, like that, if it happens, it happens, great, delighted Mm. Um, but it's not something that I'm really looking for um, Mm. either and, you know, happy to welcome it into my life if the right person comes along um But if it doesn't, I know that, you know, a solo life, hence the, p- the purpose mm. of this pop- podcast, can be just as fulfilling, just mm. as re- as rewarding um as well. Um So obviously you aren't a solo anymore. You have a, a beautiful man in your Me life, do. the gorgeous Frank. Um, mm. um In terms of sort of rounding off this podcast, talk to us about how wonderful it's been to be a, a mother for the last three years after it being something that you were, you know, exploring for so long. Like... It's like life has just been
1: given the opportunity to start in the way that you wanted to. And, I, and I, I did mention it earlier, but it was like I always knew I wanted to be a mom, but I never knew how much I needed to be a mom. Oh. And I do feel I was broken for a long time before I had him.
0: Oh, oh. <laughs> you're going to make me cry now too. <laughs> <laughs> but what will
1: I say? I don't think, so even when I say I'm not, um, I am kind of don't have the headspace for dating right now, I don't picture our life to be on our own forever. You know, mm. that's not mm. what I want for us. That's not what I would hope will happen for mm. us. But right, right now we're great. But what I will say is that why I wouldn't have chosen, you know, it wasn't my plan to be a solo mom. I am so happy that I have experienced these years on my own with them mm and as much as things have been hard at times and you know learning on your feet there has never been a moment that I've wished for to have done it differently with a partner I feel it's been an amazing fulfilling and healing experience to to create him to build our life together and we have a wonderful life and I'm a better version of myself because of the effort that I make for us to enjoy our life, to make sure he is a confident, happy um, little human and I'm just really grateful that I had the opportunity to create him and live our life together right now and who knows what goes out in ahead in the future especially with our new little caravan life. <laughs> you
0: know well if i had any doubts before i think that little uh, monologue at the end there in terms of the the joy that 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 he has brought you and the contentment um um has really helped me in terms of making some decisions as well and hopefully if anyone listening to this podcast as well um is going through this journey thinking about going through this journey um and you know i empathize as i'm sure you do as well to know what it, what it's like to be in that in that in that position um but it's a it's a wonderful lucky privileged position that we are in as women in 2023 um, that we can make that decision ourselves and you know anyone a, a lot of women and mothers who i talk to who are in relationships and no matter how wonderful their partner is a lot of them will say that they do it on their mm-hmm. own anyway you know um that that a woman's uh journey of being a mother um uh, or a a parent shall we say you know let's let's say there are a lot of men out there who are having children as well um maybe on their own but uh you know it is something that is a very solo pursuit really Mm -hmm. isn't it um Mm. and you know it's it's fantastic to hear people like you and stories like you and success stories like you of um of making that decision going through the process and being happy and content um with the beautiful beautiful child that you've welcomed into the world so i can't thank you enough thank you for having me for coming on the podcast (laughs) it's been amazing to have you finally meet you and um i really hope that this episode in particular will resonate with a lot of people out there um, on their solo journey so thank you so much
1: thank you